to introduce our first speaker this evening, Melissa S. from New York City. Great. Hi, I'm Melissa. I'm an alcoholic. Hello, Western Roundup. How cool is this? I want to thank the committee, thank the steering committee, thank Kim, thank my fairy godfather, David. I want to thank my longtime friend, John, from New York City. Uh, this was his idea. If you don't like what I say, blame him. Um, so I want to put something out there before we start. 40 minutes. So, I mean, I, I look around here and there's something obvious. Well, I'm sort of different. There's a lot of us here and we come from all over, but there's something about me that's different. And yet I feel welcome and all that, but I just wanted to put it out. So let's put it out right now. It's obvious. It's true. I'm Jewish. <laughs> And I'm also trans, but um, I'm not here because I'm trans, you know. Um, uh, probably some of you are not also, and you're here. I'm here because... I'm here because I drink too much. I drank too much a lot, and I couldn't stop. And then I tried to stop, and things actually got worse, and then it got much worse. And that's why I'm here. I've heard a lot of stories, and everyone loves the, that, those origin stories. Me, not so much. I can think back to a time I was angry, I was bitter, uh, very sarcastic and cynical, and then I turned 11. Um, um, I, grew up, I grew up in a time where you know, people talk about, oh, I felt different. I didn't feel different. I grew up in a time there were millions of little kids just like me. It was that time in, in our history. And to stand out was really difficult. And, and I, was, I was messed up. You know, I, I, was, uh, I, I lied a lot. I got in trouble a lot. Uh, I was very clever, and I was always getting in trouble. Um, and so I was great at lying. I was such a good liar. I believed my lies. I, uh, my next way when of acting out or trying to feel at ease was, was playing sports. Um, I was a very, very competent, good athlete. I've now heard stories in, in A about all the people, they were picked last in, in all their sports and it made them feel bad. I'll confess, I was doing the picking. Um, <laughs> sorry, it wasn't personal. You couldn't hit, you know? Um, in fact, in fact, this past week, I was elected to the uh, Big Apple Softball League Hall of Fame. So that was pretty good. So I, I started drinking as a teenager, and um, I, I got a reputation very quickly. Uh, we would drink a lot. All those kid kind of drinks, like, um, uh, you know, the, with the orange juice and the vodka and, um, and blackberry brandy and things like that. Uh, in the senior play, I was, uh, normally I wouldn't do the plays, but they got all the seniors, so they cast me as a drunk, 
and people thought that was funny. Shakespeare had a lot of drunks in his plays, and so I was one of them. Um, I started doing a lot of drugs in those days. It was mostly um, um, things like pot and LSD. And um, I went away to college. I went to lots of colleges. Mostly, I majored in drugs. Um, I, I went to one in Washington. The second one, I flunked out. I took time off. I went night school and day school. It was really hard. And it was really hard to figure out why I struggled so much because this was not really everyone assumed, including me, that this would be a good thing for me. Um, and so I figured that uh, what I wanted to be able to do is, is stop doing drugs, so I started drinking a lot. And so by the time I was 21, I was drinking every day, drinking myself to sleep every night. I drank enough that I actually noticed it, you know, about being a junior in college and, and going out every night and drinking and passing out. It's like, this is unusual. Your other little friends are not doing this. And um, I, I tried to go to graduate school. Uh, being an alcoholic means that um, uh, my, my brain tells me I can do a lot of things, but I quit, and I quit lots of things. I have a lifetime of trying new, exciting things and then quitting because it didn't go the way I wanted or the work was too hard. And, um, and so I quit graduate school, and it's like I'm old, and I'm single, and I don't know anyone who's old and single, and I, I, I'll go back to New York, I think, at the time I was 25. Um, <laughs> and so now I'm back in New York. And um, I had a, uh, a small group of friends. This is the 70s. So um, uh, we went out, and in those days, uh, uh, you could have an apartment and a car. And so, <laughs> so I, I mean... <laughs> You know, in New York, people don't have cars. I haven't known one in over 30 years. But um, you hear those great drunken driving stories. I we used to drive drunk and squinting over the wheel. And, and, and But the police thought it was funny in those days. You know, they, they wouldn't really bother you. But the number of fender benders and accents, I, terrible story. I crashed into a light pole on a highway once. I borrowed my parents' car and woke up the next day in the hospital after totaling it. So alcohol and driving is a bad mix. And I, when I was in New York, I would drive and go to the bars, and um, I started to get a sense of that all my friends were getting married, and I was not interested in that. And I wanted to see what else was in Manhattan. And uh, so I started looking around, and I found the west side of Manhattan in those days had a lot of different interesting bars, and I went to them, uh, and then I found my scene, which is really in Times Square, and in some ways I never left, so um, uh, we would go there a lot, and you know, getting a sense of alcoholism, you know, you go out, you have this whole night planned, this is going to be great, and then I have to drink before I go out, because it's free, and I don't want to spend all that money, and I want to be ready when I get there, and so I would make sure I would have some vodka before I would get in the car and then go to the bar, and I would bounce off the cars going there. And, um, and terrible things would happen, and I learned about blacking out, and I never knew about it before. And, and so I would black out, and then I would, I would wake up in the car in front of the bar. I'd wake up in, in the car in front of my apartment. I'd wake up horribly in bed, not knowing where the car is. I'd wake up in someone else's bed, not knowing what part of the city or state I was in. 
and I'd have to figure it out. I'd have to introduce myself to my p new partner. And, um, it's hard to build long-lasting relationships like that. Um, and so it, it became very obvious that I had a problem with alcohol. So my solution to alcoholism was simple. My solution was cocaine. And, um, and it was good. It evened me out, and I stopped blacking out. Um, however, my solution was worse than the disease. And within three years, all my money was gone, my credit was gone, my, my friends were gone, my family thought I was absolutely insane. And I was at the bottom. I was in big trouble. I did not know what to do. I was thinking of, like, robbing gas stations, you know, but probably not a good fit. And so I was able to get a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, and um, mostly to get away from cocaine, and I ended up uh, overseas in the Middle East. And I stayed there for three years. And I went there for this extraordinary vocational opportunity, but mostly to get away from cocaine. I lived in the big city for six months, drank myself to sleep every night, really hard to get up the next day, and I could not be in the city without coke. And so I, I volunteered to go to the job site in the desert, lived in the desert in the Middle East for two and a half years. That was awesome. So who, who takes a job like this? Well, competent construction professionals and alcoholics, and it was great. Um, uh, all drinks with 35 cents. Uh, they built us a lovely bar with a pool. Uh, I was, you know, I was there. We were all there every night. I wasn't alone. I started out drinking with the office people, then the construction people, and, and I went lower and lower on the social scale. By the time I, I was done, it was drinking with the, the guys from Alabama with no teeth. And, <laughs> and I, I would get in trouble. I would, I would hang out. With, we would play cards. I'd pass out of the card table. I had a problem with alcohol. Everyone knew it, and I sort of kind of felt it. So more drugs. We smoked a lot of hash in the Middle East. I we think it was hash. It might have just been camel poop. But <laughs> we smoked a lot of it. And, uh, and then someone brought cocaine to the desert. Now, here's a job. I'm working six days a week, 11 hours a day, and someone brings cocaine. Uh-oh. Um, so, and I managed. What happened, though, the... Um, the job got, they saw my drinking and the drug use, and then there started to be rumors of my sexuality. And so most of my other little friends moved on to the next job, um, and I did not. And, uh, you know, it was great. I paid off all, all my drug debts. I saved money, something I'd never done before. And uh, now I was going to come back to New York and live the life I wanted to. And I came home with, well, I mean, this was the early 80s, so it was a lot of money for the early 80s, uh, thousands and thousands of dollars. And it, um, uh, I guess it lasted two or three years. When I was drinking, I had one skill better than anything, and that is to find a job that makes me work really, really hard and pays very little money. I am a pro at that, and, um, and that's exactly what I did. I found a job, full-time job, that paid $300 a week. Gets nice and bitter and resentful and blame everyone else. <laughs> you know, I, I tell people when I started this job, I was a... A heavy drinker that did drugs, I left. I was a drug addict and alcoholic. And it was all there for, you know, I mean, eventually they fired me. I, I look back horrified. How dare you fire me? Oh, wait, I, I got caught stealing money. Oh, wait, I was late every day for three years. Oh, wait, I was so, I smoked three quarters of a pack of cigarette every day at work in the office. So I, I was not a lot of fun to work with. And, um, 
Um, and what I discovered that my drinking was way, way out of control, and my, uh, my cocaine use was not helping. And so I learned through my new friends that um, uh, to help with my alcoholism, I can learn how to smoke cocaine. So for those of you that have smoking cocaine in your story, my story is coming to an end. Um, within three years, everything was gone. Um, then I stopped paying my phone bill, electricity bill, and then finally stopped paying my rent. And uh, they took me to court after four months and tried to evict me. I explained it was all a misunderstanding. I gave them $100 in good faith. Uh, it was the last they ever saw from me. So finally, after six months of not paying rent, I was evicted. I confessed to my mother and father that I had a problem with alcohol and I needed help. Um, and so we, we got out of Yellow Pages. Um, for those of you under 50, you can Google that. Um, <laughs> so we, we, we go and we look up rehabs, and we do it alphabetical and get to Beth Israel, and it's like, well, this will be good. There will be Jews there. And so um, <laughs> we called up. I went to Beth Israel. There were no Jews there. So... Um, um, you know, I, I lost my home. I, it's really why I went to rehab. Um, I had nowhere else to go. I had nowhere else to go. I was almost 40. I was a mid-level manager in a corporation. I get that call from work, uh, where I'm at work, and, and I had a, a roommate, someone else, a drug addict who had already lost her home and was now moving, lived with me, and said, the marshal is here and they're taking everything. And so I went to rehab. When I, when I went to rehab, I, I threw a, a little bag of, of cocaine under a car. When I came out, I looked to see if it was still there. <laughs> rehab was awesome. Saved my life. Didn't get me sober. Um, I ate and I slept, two things I had not been doing. Uh, and I learned about recovery. And every night, they'd bring in people from meetings. And they were amazing. They, they looked so bright and shiny. And their stories were horrible, horrible stories. And... Um, and, and I learned a lot about it. And, you know, they, and they, we had the big book, and we read it, and, and I get it. I get what they were talking about. And, uh, but the one thing they said, when you leave here, you got to go to meetings. You just have to go to meetings. Go to meetings, go to meetings, go to meetings. And so I left rehab, and I went to meetings. And, um, and I was terrified and mortified, and I thought my life was over, and I would never have any meaning or balance or or any worth ever again, but I did it because I was so scared and desperate. And after six weeks, I just got bored. And uh, so I drank again, and after four weeks, I drank again, and after two weeks. Now, of course, when I told you when I was a child, I was a great liar, so if you think I'm gonna stop drinking and magically become honest, that is not my story. So <laughs> I would have different day, day counts, different meetings I'd go to. I, my mom and dad let me live with them for five months until I was able to get back on my feet. So I'd go to meetings out in the suburbs and in the city. Different Every day of the week, I have a different day count. I have to write them down to keep track of them. It's very difficult. And as a result, I couldn't get sober. And, and then I just reached that crossroads, you know, where, you know, the weekends would come and I would be miserable and I would crawl back into meetings on Monday or Tuesday. And, and, and I was miserable. I looked miserable. I acted miserable. I, you know, I was right there. It's, what am I going to do? Am I... And I, I told someone, and he said, you know, you have to take your fear to the next level. You have to be more afraid to drink than not to drink. And that was a revelation to me. And I told another man, older man, he was really old. He was probably 10 years younger than I am now. But 
and I thought he would be mad at me. I told him I relapsed again, he smiled and gave me a hug, and he said, just remember that God loves you, and I was very moved by that. And that was very many years ago, and yet I always tell that part of my story because that Monday I had two days, and that Tuesday I had three, and Wednesday I had four. And I decided anything outside of myself, that moment of grace that has nothing to do with me, decided that I am going to do with these other people. They all have lives. They, they smile a lot more than I do. They're friendly and they're gracious. And none of them are drinking. And I'm going to have to do this too. I hated the idea of that. <laughs> that the idea of, of that pink cloud, not me. So, um, but I did it. You know, I, I would go to meetings. I'd go to step meetings. It sounded like Sanskrit to me, really, just gobbledygook. And you know, but but I did start to learn about the steps. You know, powerless and unmanageable. I get that. I mean, that was rather obvious. You know, and um, you know, in rehab they said, well, um, you know, no major changes the first year. You know, relationships and jobs don't move. And I said, okay, so I changed sex. <laughs> My sponsor was concerned. <laughs> Um, and so in the midst of all this, so in learning how to live a life without alcohol and without cocaine, I was also in the process of transition. And um, um, so I hope all of you have a much easier time getting sober than I did. You know, I wanted to make it really difficult, and I did. And, um, and it's a miracle. It's a miracle to you and to my higher power. Um, I, you know, I got to tell you, my first year was difficult and unpleasant. My second year was not much better. There was that feeling of impending doom when I, when I started, you know, a life without alcohol, and that feeling was impending doom. You know, I didn't get back to work again for years. Um, I had gigs. I had opportunities. Um, and I, would, I, would, I learned how to show up for different things. You know, people used to laugh because I would do any kind of job. I Cocktail waitress jobs. I did driver jobs, I did telephone research, anything. You know, I, I got a job with Gay Games as a temp job. I got hired by GMHC. And then finally, I was able to go to the workplace and show people that, that there's value in having me in the workplace, and I started to get an opportunity. I was then hired part-time at a credit union. Great irony. We're going to make you a debt collector. It's like... <laughs> perfect. So um, I know about that. So, um, and yet, um, I went and I, um, I started part-time. They made me full-time. Then they made me a manager, and I ended up a director. And I stayed at the credit union for many years. And my life changed. You know, when I was able to do a third step, it took me a year to figure it out. I made it really complicated. I make all the steps really complicated. Um, and I, I thought they wanted me to get a master's degree in religion. And it's, it's like, girl, no. It just, I'm going to just do what everyone else does. You know, I am going to walk. I'm, I am going to go to a, the step meetings. I am going to do a fourth step. It, it's all it's asking me is making that decision. It took me a year to figure that out. Uh, for my fourth step, I got a Catholic sponsor. Who knows more about confession than Catholics? Um, I, we did my fifth step in which... He thought I was too angry. And then 
Uh, Six-step was great. It, it helped me stop smoking. I, you know, faced with the six-step about, you know, become entirely ready. How, I still have this drug habit of, of nicotine. It makes me crazy. It makes everyone crazy. Everyone just yells at me all the time. And so the six-step helped me stop um, stop smoking and uh, a huge, huge difference in my, the quality of my life. And, um, you know, I made my amends. I, um, some worked really well and some were very gracious and, and some people were not all that impressed. And, um, but I did them, you know. And, um, you know, and over time, over time, I got a sense of who I was in my world. It, it, you know, it's not about my recovery anymore. It's become my life, about the decisions I make and, and the people I'm with and the choices I make. And, um, and so we have, you know, moving into the 11th step, you know, I don't really have much of God in my background. I, I, I will confess I go to synagogue easily two, three times a year, whether I need it or not. And um, they, uh, Rabbi Sharon Kleinbaum is amazing in New York. And... So I go, and they're always happy to see me. And, um, but AA is really my religion. You know, the end, the irony, right? Nice Jewish girl from the suburbs. The St. Francis prayer is a great guide for me. The, that, that journey to selflessness is as close to God as I could ever get. And it talks about giving. And it talks about listening. And it talks about being there for others. And all this was new. There was none of this that was part of my life um, as a kid or, or as a or an alcoholic, and it's been really helpful. I've learned how to listen. Um, I, you know, I've learned how to be more giving. You know, I, I have a new extension. Every year I try to do something different in my recovery. Um, you know, one year I, I focused on powerlessness. This year it's about more giving. So I, I'm now I'm working, and, and I see a lot of homeless people aren't, so I, I give out dollars here and there. I don't have to, it doesn't matter whether I believe what they say or not. The important thing is that I'm willing to give and to give it without any question. And that makes me feel better. You know, I don't know if there's a, an old man in a beard with a big book keeping track, but I'm going to pretend that, that there is. And I'm going to do the kinds of things that get me on the good side rather than the bad side. Um, I haven't made all of my amends. You know, I, I, I've done the best I can with them, you know, and um, I've, I've, I'm available for people. I know a lot of people. I, I started doing service. I did, you know, at first it's like, wait a minute, you want me to work for free? But, um, but over time, you know, my first New Year's, I, w I was at an event. I had 30 days. I was, I was in the kitchen chopping salad. New midnight came. I stuck my head out of the, that, you know, that was out of the question. But over time and making coffee and cookies and treasure and, and regional representation and and I did all that and then I sort of got restless and so I started taking my desire to serve and be service of us out into the community and I've done amazing things within my community um, last year I ran for state assembly for example um, um, you know uh, you ever watch Archie Bunker on television that neighborhood but um, um, but that's where I live, and, uh, and I had something to offer. And I did very well. I did not win, but I did very well. Um, running for office in New York is really complicated. They do it on purpose, and I, I jumped through all the hoops, did everything that I had to. So there's nothing like going to a room with 200 people and seeing the 200 angry faces looking at you as you try to talk about what, how important it is. Um, 
I did better in percentage than Cynthia Nixon did. So when she ran for governor. Um, but that's all about service. You know, uh, people say a lot of nice things, and uh, I'm always appreciative of of people acknowledge of all the work I'm willing to do to make a difference. I do it because it brings me closer to God. It's what I learned how to do here. It's what keeps me sober. You know, I, I don't go, I, well, I've been in lots of church basements, you know, but, uh, you know, my relationship with God is here. You know, it, it, it has to do with the ability. And I have seen miraculous things. I have seen miraculous things in me and with others. I see it with you. I have seen you know, drug-dealing bartenders who are told they're, they're stupid and never amount to anything, go back to school and eventually get PhDs. I've seen the loudest people in the world go back to school and become counselors or religious leaders. Um, I've seen people that would sit in the corner of the bar, stoned out on cocaine and alcohol, arguing with police about the death penalty, uh, go on and actually do something uh, and make a difference in the lives of the people uh, in, in the community. And none of that would happen without this. None of it would have happened without you. There is nothing about living a life with alcohol that I knew anything about. I know a lot about a lot of things. And I, we're, John and I were talking about the fog coming in off the sea and the cold water. That I knew nothing about life without alcohol, and I learned it from you. And miraculously, um, I learned how to have more of an open heart and open mind because these are things that uh, I've never had, you know. And... You know, it may not be parting of the Red Sea, but the things that I've seen here, the things that I've heard, I've been sober a while. Um, and, you know, to be in a meeting, to get a good speaker that believes in the process of what we're doing as a community, it can lift us all off the floor. I've seen it numerous times, you know, and um, and I'm just amazed by it. You know, I've, I, I never thought I would be sober this long. I never thought I would live this long. I wasn't afraid that I was going to die. I was afraid I wasn't going to die. And that, you know, alcohol is a long, long, tough way to, to kill oneself. And I, I see lots of sick, suffering people in New York all the time. And um, my heart goes out to my younger brother. Uh, never stopped drinking, and he died two years ago. And, um, you know, I, this is a way that works. This is a way that works for me. I've, I've started a new career after I, I ran for office. I started a new career, um, so I'm probably I'm closer to 70 than I am to 60. And to be starting new careers, when it was suggested I come all the way out to the Western Roundup for a weekend to be with you, I said, "Sure." Recovery and sobriety is about saying yes and not saying no. It's easy to say no. Challenge yourself and say yes and do something outside of that. That's what I've done. You know, so I'm here, and I'm here with you. You know, I'm looking forward to be part of this roundup. I think I was in San Francisco before. <laughs> but it was a long time ago. And um, um, But I'm really, really honored to be here today. So thanks for letting me share.